0: It's interesting when you read through these verses we read tonight, and thank you for all those that came up front and, and helped to read. In Luke chapter 2, if you don't have, a, you know, Sonny mentioned some traditions, and it's good to have some memories that we make. If you uh, haven't had a chance to do this yet as a family, you know, one of the things we all often get to when Christmas is done is we say, boy, I, oh, I wish we would have kind of captured more of what the moment of Christmas was about. I wish we had kind of been able to focus in a little bit more on it. So uh, whoever's kind of helping to lead and direct your, your family, let me encourage you, if you haven't done it yet, uh, sit down when you get home tonight before you turn the TV on and watch whatever Christmas movie, or maybe have some dinner first, I suppose. But you know, before you do too much else, you can take a b- back and do another look at those same verses we read. Also in Matthew, there's a similar account of it. And there's something really good about just reading what the Scripture says and meditating on it. Those passages we looked at tonight have some interesting things that they say to us in Luke chapter 2, really starting in verse 10 that I want to focus in on tonight. The uh, angel said this, said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That's fantastic if you think about it. That there's good news of great joy in our lives that are so often discouraging in a world that's so often disappointing with the challenges and setbacks that we face. Good news of great joy. So we're invited to think about that good news of great joy. And then if you look a little further on down, if you don't have a Bible handy, just listen to me uh, read it. Starting at verse 18 of chapter 2, it says, And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. Wondered. They were inspired. They were amazed by it. They desired to understand and to seek to know more about it. They wondered by it. And then it says in verse 19, but Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. So she valued them. She recognized they were worthwhile to think on the things of God and His great plan of salvation and works, And she pondered them in her hearts. And then lastly, we know this one probably best of all, the shepherds returned glorifying God and praising Him for all that they had seen. So they, they recognized God's greatness because of it. That's sort of glorifying God is recognizing God's greatness and maybe trying to share it with others and then praising Him. So we see that right at the beginning. And what I want us to talk about for a couple of minutes tonight, we won't be here long, but is why we should wonder, ponder, treasure, and praise this Christmas, maybe for some of us who've known the Lord for a while, it's just an invitation to do that in some fresh ways. Maybe for some here tonight who are still searching out things spiritually, whatever age you are, youngest to the oldest, and you're not sure really what you believe about the gospel, this will be an opportunity tonight Maybe for the first time in your life, to embrace and begin to put together some of those puzzle pieces that I just shared about. We would love for that to be the case uh, for us here tonight. The the story I shared about the puzzle isn't just a helpful one for reminding the little kids about the pieces that need to go together, but it's a good reminder too tonight. That it doesn't hurt sometimes. We've all been in that moment working on a big, huge, especially if it's a big one with a bunch of pieces and you've gone and you've got something to eat. now you come back and you're working on it a little bit more, and maybe a family member's working over on that part of the puzzle, and you're kind of over in this little corner. And what happens? You kind of lose the whole big picture of what the overall picture and demonstration is of that puzzle. I know that's been the case for me. Well, what's the best thing to do when you're in that spot if you've got it handy? Look at the front of the box. Take a look at the picture. Cheat, right? You're allowed to do it in our house. I don't know about yours. You can look at it. And then you get your bearings a little bit. Oh, yes, it's this picture of this beach scene or it's these uh, hot air balloons. We had one one year that was all these hot air balloons going off in the air with all these colors. Or it's this beautiful mountainscape. Take a look at the the puzzle box and take a look at it. So that's what I want us to try to do today is kind of get out of maybe being stuck over in that corner in particular. I want us to see how Jesus' first coming, the incarnation we just read about, relates to his second coming and also relates to the new heavens and the new earth that we're going to enjoy one day. Because as much as christmas is about heaven coming down into this world it's also about the reality that god's going he's affirmed his creation but he's going to remake it he's going to renew it and whether you're a young person here today or you're an older person whether you've got some physical things that remind you of that longing for heaven or you've got some you're together with family and we're probably a lot of us reminded of how things fall short even in our good family relationships There's an opportunity to long and to seek heaven more uh, even through these verses that I want us to read today. So I'll read them to you real quickly here. Philippians chapter 2 is uh, the puzzle box, if you will, to maybe help us see a little bit of the bigger picture. Starting in uh, chapter 2 of Philippians verse 5, it says this, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. So take on a certain mentality. A passage that we've been looking at on Sunday mornings here for worship in Colossians says, set your minds on things above. So think about heavenly things and that will actually inform your daily life. And then it goes on and it says about Christ, it says, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to at all costs, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant and being born in likeness of men, being found in human form. That's the Christmas story, right? He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Here we're kind of merging over into the Easter story, but it's all linked together to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name, So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. And then in chapter three, just two verses there that are going to hopefully bring a lot of this together for us tonight. Verse 20 and 21 in chapter three, right there in the same book says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Did you know that today? If you know Christ and you've surrendered your life to Him as as Lord, you recognize you need Him as a Savior, and you've begun to walk with Him in a lifestyle of faith and repentance, then uh, you've got the privilege of being a citizen of heaven. And from there, we await a Savior, (coughs) the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables even His subjects even all things to be subject to himself. What's that tell us about Christmas and why Christmas is important? It tells us this: that what Jesus did in coming as fully God, fully man was meant to be a picture of his restoring work that he's going to do <clears throat> that he is hopefully doing in all of us who've embraced him and that we know, even though it doesn't come to its fullest measure in this life, is going to be fulfilled in the new heavens and the new earth. So we're starting to see maybe how that box of the puzzle puts together Christmas, together a little bit with Easter, together with the heavenly reality. We'll enjoy in Christ. If I can uh, draw one more picture or analogy out of the the puzzle box the puzzle picture box it would be this you know it's an awesome thing to see that image on the puzzle or on the box of the mountain scape of the hot air balloons floating up of whatever that delightful picture is but you know what it's still just a picture isn't it whether you're looking at it here with all the pieces put together Or you're looking at the box that's not the real thing just like some of us have been doing especially the kiddos you've probably been looking on online maybe if mom and dad let you you do that and you see something on the screen that you want that new toy and you see it on your computer screen or the phone screen well that's that's not the real thing right kiddos it's it's just some digital images on there Uh, ladies maybe looking through uh, magazines that come in the mail and you see some a nice new outfit that you're hoping to get tomorrow perhaps well the the ad isn't the outfit it's just a printed piece of paper with a picture it's not the fullness of the thing it hasn't yet come to us and that's what I want us to see as well tonight Is that as we think about Christmas, we're really getting a taste as Jesus comes into the world, desiring to show his love, desiring to rescue us and doing that great work. It still isn't the fulfillment of it. We still have more to come that we will enjoy. It points forward to something coming in the future. Let me read one or two things uh, here from a little book that this is the kids version Heaven for Kids by a guy named Randy Alcorn. If you want to read a real interesting book with your kiddos in the new year or maybe your grandkiddos, uh, this, is, this is really interesting. I've been listening back through, I guess maybe it's the third time in my life that I recall listening through the the big book, the big book for adults called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. So I've been listening through that while I've been been working out. You know, if you want to, when you get to your mid forties, if you want to think about, you know, longing for heaven and renewed earth and new bodies, you know, listen to a book about heaven while you're jogging, while you're trying to get that mile or mile a half in without collapsing. So I've been listening to that that book on uh, on heaven. And it's interesting, he, He talks about a couple of things in here from C.S. Lewis's uh, books. C.S. Lewis's book, The Narnia Stories. Probably a lot of you have seen the movies, even if you haven't read the books. But the uh, book, The Last Battle, in particular, is one that he references quite a bit. And he talks about the unicorn character that's in that story. I think the character's name is Jewel, maybe, like like a jewel, like a ring like a diamond and Jewel is this unicorn character and they're they're at this point in the last battle in the story that's really a picture and an analogy of God's redeeming work where they're realizing some of what's coming together and and the unicorn says this maybe these could be some words on our hearts and minds as we think about Christmas and how it points forward to heaven the unicorn says I've come home at last This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. The reason why we love the old Narnia, that was their land, that was their country, that was their place. The reason why we love the old Narnia is that it sometimes looked a bit like this. Have you thought about that? With the things that we enjoy in this life. I think sometimes in the church world, religious world, we feel like the focus is all about no, you know, don't do this, you're these commandments, you're not supposed to do this, and God gives us good commandments to guide our lives, no doubt. But really, so much about what Jesus has done is yes, is affirming that the taste that we get in that good time with family when we have it the joy that we have in sitting with a friend, the blessing we have in looking out at a delightful creation around us, the, the, the things that, satis- that give us some satisfaction and some delight in this life, they're tastes, they're foretastes of something coming ahead. And when Jesus came into the world, he affirmed all of that. One other little passage that's referenced in this book That's also from The Last Battle. And this is several characters speaking, but I thought it was really profound for the meaning of Christmas and the way it points forward to uh, the delight of the new heavens and the new earth. One of the characters says this I bet there isn't a country like this, seeing the new country. I bet there isn't a country like this anywhere in our world, anywhere in Narnia. Look at the colors. You couldn't get a blue like that on those mountains in our world. Is it not Aslan's country, said Tyrion? Those hills, said Lucy, the nice woody ones and the blue ones behind, aren't they very like the southern border of Narnia? Like, cried Edmund after a moment's silence, why they're exactly like. And yet, said Lucy, they're not like. They're more, more, more like the real thing, the real thing. You know, the, bo- the Bible tells a story of redemption all the way from the beginning about uh, Adam and Eve and their fall and how that's really sort of polluted and corrupted all the rest of us, like a disease, like a virus in a computer. The system is messed up, so that even as we're born, we're born with this problem. And what an amazing thing to celebrate on this Christmas Eve, that Jesus didn't leave us there, that God didn't leave us there, but He came into the world to rescue and to save us. And more than that, that the Bible tells us there's more to come. There is something that's going to be Developed even further. There's more, more, as Lucy said in Narnia. Well, I'll close with this as we think about the work that Christ did and is doing in our lives. Uh, a few weeks ago, well, I guess it was over Thanksgiving, my family had the opportunity to go see um, the movie Midway, right, all about that battle from World War II, the newer one that's out in the theaters and. It was, uh, I thought it was pretty well done, actually. i watched the old one. I like the old one because it gives a lot more of the historical details, but the new one was really good. And one of the things they showed in there was uh, Doolittle's Raid. I don't know if you ever heard about Doolittle's Raid, but after America had been completely surprised and flat-footed and so many lives lost and stunned by Pearl Harbor, there was this desire and, I guess, need, really, to respond. And have some sort of response. So even though we weren't prepared to go and fight this battle and win this battle, at that time there was an aim that we're going to send a bunch of these uh, bombers over there. We're going to put them on an aircraft carrier. They, they could barely fit them on the aircraft carrier and they could barely take off because they weren't designed to fly off of that surface. And there was no way they were going to be able to land back on it. But they were planning to have them fly over and put a strike right into the, the heart of the, the enemy there in Tokyo. Tokyo. And so this was the the mission that Doolittle was on, and he volunteered in his group. And in a sense, it was a potentially a suicide mission because they had no confidence, again, that they were going to be able to find any place to land safely. They had contacted the Chinese government a bit and said, hey, can we land here after we bomb because we're not going to be able to get back to the aircraft carriers? It was a bold mission that they went on. Well, I I just saw this uh, recently. I was watching a little YouTube video, and I'd never heard about this before. But the uh, Russians, the Soviets, I guess, had refused. America had asked them if we could land the planes there because I think that was actually closer. And they had said no because of where they stood in the conflict at the time. They said, no, we can't do that. Well, it's interesting what happened. A bunch of the planes did actually, some of them, uh, a couple of them went down, I think. Uh, a bunch of them made it over to China, and the Chinese sacrificed greatly to save really just a few American soldiers. is an unbelievable story of sacrifice. But one plane, I think it was, made it to Russia because there something was wrong with their fuel and their system and their engine, and they weren't going to make it to China. So they had no choice, even though the Russians said, hey, you show up, you're going to be our prisoners. I thought this was really interesting. Guess what happened when they landed on Soviet soil? They took them into prison, locked them up, and then the same people that locked them up staged their escape. They couldn't publicly, the Soviets, say, hey, we're going with the Americans, because that was going to get them in trouble with the powerful nearby neighbor in Tokyo. But they did want to help the Americans get free, so the same people that locked them up escorted them all the way to the southern border to where they could be crossed over and get into Iran, I think it was, to the British enemy or British British Embassy, sent them to the British Embassy, right? Not the enemy, British Embassy, and they rescued them there. Of course, we couldn't send them to the American Embassy because that would look too uh, calculated, right? Have them act like, oh, hey, we just stumbled along the British Embassy. How convenient that we made it all the way to the border and got across. And I thought about that story, and I thought, wow, that's a cool picture of what Christ has done. You know, we don't deserve to be rescued, right? Right? We're in enemy territory, if you will, in this world. And yet Jesus has come here, the same one that should condemn us for our fallenness and for not glorifying Him and not living for His purposes is nevertheless at great risk and cost to Himself going to escort us across the border into freedom, into new life now, into new life and eternity. I thought it was a powerful picture of the redeeming work of Christ. And I, I hope that'll resonate with you. I hope as you think about the puzzle pieces this Christmas, as you think about the puzzle box and, you know, think, understanding the big picture, and then as we even think about the fact that the image of the puzzle, it isn't even the real thing. It's a taste. It's a precursor to the real thing, that we'd have a richer experience of Christ uh, today and on and tomorrow as we... Uh, Celebrate with family as we celebrate with friends and as we meditate on the great work of the Lord Jesus. Let's pray again.